All right. Cam, this question is going to be most relevant to you out of the two of us. BJ's not here. Uh, call on bitch in the comments. Uh, anyways, we, if you had to pick for your school, which is Utah State, mm -hmm. to be a part of this realignment, what conference would they end up in when it's all said and done? Not the Pac-12. <laughs> I'm not setting um, you up for a joke, dickhead. Give me an answer. No. Give me an answer. No, I know that you're not. I just had to get that out there. Um, but um, I would personally lean more towards the Big 12 just because I think that's where we fit in the most. As far as a school goes, we're not necessarily the academic powerhouse that, like, for instance, the Big 12, the Big 10 would like. We're not necessarily the athletic powerhouse that the sec would want like i just think i just think from knowing our school knowing that we've got a very offensive coach knowing all that kind of stuff i just think we fit in very well in the big 12. fair enough fair enough i'm not answering that question my team's in the big 10 they're not even the big i was 10. gonna and say the SEC. I, so uh, the, the yeah, two schools i, I, I really gonna, pull for are in the conferences I think they're going to stay in forever, so I'm not. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I was going <laughs> not even going down that road right now. <laughs> I was going to so, say, uh, where would you want them to wind up, and why would it be the Mac? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> go ahead and get right into it. That's a good win. There's a lot of people. It's like Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. Personal foul. <laughs> 69 offense is giving them the business. These people don't give a Love you, honey. Trying to make sure my pen has enough ink <laughs> because I've had Fair. trouble writing with this pen. I've been using this pen for actually probably since I got it about five months ago, six months ago. I bought these pens back in. When did I buy these notebooks? January. <laughs> That's how long ago that was. Coming up on six months then. Yeah. Actually, it's, yeah, it's right at five, I guess. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. Why don't we? Once again, BJ's not here. Um, had some other business to attend to, which is perfectly okay. So it'll be just the two of us today. Mm -hmm. Um I'll just go ahead and, and start right off and talk about the Pac twelve. Something we either missed on Wednesday or just it wasn't news yet. I can't really remember. But the Pac twelve has announced a new broadcast style that I think is going to change the course of college football broadcasts. Probably for the better. Mm -hmm. I mean let's talk about this for a minute. We look at it and I look at this almost as an XFL or um, USFL style, where they're they got guys mic'd up pregame, they got guys, they got coaches mic'd up during the game, they get in-game interviews. I, I think it's going to look probably. I think they took some of this from March Madness. We saw all the coach interviews and, and intermissions, and, uh, timeouts, stuff like that. 
we're going to go into this season. We're going to see what it looks like. I, I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be or look like, but I'm kind of looking at like an XFL style broadcast. If I'm thinking correctly, I, I don't know what you think. Yeah. You watched more of it than I did, but that, that's what my mind goes to is an yeah. XFL style look. Yeah, through. that's a very fair statement to make. Um, I have the tweet from Brett, Brett McMurphy, who's one of the first people who broke this, um, pulled up here. Pac-12 approves in-game and pre-game football access initiatives to be implemented in Pac-12 broadcasts on ESPN, Fox Sports, and for the three, three people who have it, the Pac-12 network. It includes in-game head coach interviews, pre-game and halftime locker room camera access, coaches and select players wired on field pre-game, cameras in coaches' booth without sound, and extended handheld permission. So I I personally think that this is really good. Like that is one of the things that the XFL especially when it comes to these spring leagues has been really good at is they've been giving us that access they've been and, and it allows us as fans to be able to come to a greater understanding without without giving away like for instance a game plan so that that's the most important part as well in all this is it doesn't do anything to further enhance potential advantage within, for instance, a game. So, and it's going to be nice at three weeks when there's no distractions. <laughs> Dude, I, so everybody knows I got a roommate and he's got family guy on right now. And uh, it's Sam Elliott breeding mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> I looked over and I saw it. I, I tried so hard to hold it back. But man, that was that was tough not to laugh at. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of concluded I, my thought. Anyway, so yeah, I, I'm I glad think, I waited until, until I thought you were about done. Um, I think this is good though overall. I think it is too. I mean, I, th- I think it brings a new level of interaction to a college football broadcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with at least seeing it, seeing it out. I think the mic'd up part for players pregame is probably the coolest part of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't really care, honestly, for the halftime speech deal. A lot of time those can be pretty intense and um, don't need anybody getting canceled over something said in a locker room. I, I was going to say, so, get ready for every three words to be bleeped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's necessary. I don't really know that I like the interviews of coaches mid-game like that. Like this isn't baseball. You're not just sitting there on your. I mean, let's be real here. We we see it in on Sunday night baseball all the time. They'll sit there. They'll grab you know Bryce Harper sitting on the bench waiting to come, and they'll start talking to Bryce Harper, or they'll they'll talk to Manny Machado now that he's on the IL or something like that. You can't do that in football, so I'm not sure that I really Mm -hmm. love that side of things. But I do like the mic'd up part pregame. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. I think there are parts of this that are going to be all right, but I just there's other things that I think are better left unseen for the time being. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Because like for instance, somebody's the... going to get their feelings hurt. 
when I saw the locker room thing, I'm like, oh, people of Cal, please ignore that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's going to be... That's going to be interesting, and... I, I look forward to when we have like the Greg Popovich type of interviews where where it's just like reporter asks I mean kind of dumb question and so he's just like one word answer because he's annoyed of what's going on in the game on top of the stupid question so yeah it'll definitely be It'll definitely be interesting to see what happens there. Anyways, we'll go ahead and move on. Glenn Schimbeckler, three days after being hired as a... Uh, I don't even know what the hell he was hired as, to be completely honest. It was in, like, basic player management. Um, but he was he, he has resigned. He, nonetheless, he's no longer there. It doesn't really matter. Um Oh, he's the assistant director of recruiting. I forgot about Couldn't remember the title. Nonetheless, um, has resigned due to some social media activity that has been deemed unacceptable. And let me tell you, reading through it, I don't know. I don't know how this wasn't seen before they hired him, to be completely honest. Um, I mean, this was not new. This has been happening for a while from everything I went through. I don't know how it wasn't noticed beforehand, um, but I'm glad that he is no longer there because it was it was pretty damning. It was not something you really want your program to be associated with, uh, to be completely honest. It was some things that were, uh, they say, cause concern and pain. I, I don't know that I would say that but it was definitely along the lines of if i'm if i read it right and, and took it the right way it was kind of promoting the ideology of like slavery and things like that and it's like why would you in in this day and age why would you even think that's okay um it is what it is um from there that i he's gone no longer going to be returning at the university of Michigan, and um, that deal's kind of done. I don't really have much else to say, but it is worth noting that it did happen, and it was definitely questionable from plenty of angles. Yeah, I I, I hadn't seen that because that news came out while I was asleep, um, and so I um. Yeah, that's not something you want your program to be associated with in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And it's quite frankly unacceptable. So good good job on Michigan's part for probably acting pretty quick. Um, at the same time, you're right. Don't know why you would hire him if you have access to seeing that, but it it's still kudos to them for acting quickly when realizing what happened. Yeah, absolutely. 
We'll move on from that. Not a whole lot more to say. Uh, but we're going to talk about Alabama football for a minute and the state of that program. Now, there are a lot of people who are taking this quarterback situation way too out of hand. Way too out of hand. I'm here to tell you, no matter what, if you go and look at their last four recruiting classes, really any recruiting class, but you look at the last four, the classes that are there right now are some of the highest rated classes ever in college football mm-hmm. history. Just because they don't know exactly what they've got at quarterback yet does not mean they are not still loaded to the brim with top-tier talent all across the board. They're missing one position that they don't have a solid answer on yet, but I think the transfer in of Tyler Buckner answered that question. Look, they're not going to be winning games with their offense. I think I think that looks clear uh, if things hold true from what we saw from Milrow and Buckner both last season. However, that defense is still elite. It's still going to win a lot of games, and it's still ran by Nick Saban. That team overall is still led by Nick Saban. Let's not forget that when we talk about them. I think this is still a top-five team going into the year, and until Alabama does not really have that kind of a season, even went on their in their down years. Remember, their down year two years ago was a national championship appearance. I mean, let's, let's call it like we see it here. Their down year last year was, what, Cotton Bowl against K-State? Yeah. Where they completely – it wasn't Cotton Bowl. It was Sugar Bowl against K-State. Sugar Bowl, yeah. Where Either they ran, way. Where they ran through them without Either question. way, it was a New Year's Six victory. Like. Yes. Yeah. One spot out of the top out of the, four. Yeah. This team's not done. They're, they're not at all. And, and, to, and to assume that they're just going to be – Hell, I've been guilty of it too. And then I went and looked. I went. And, I went and did some research. Okay, so if I have said anything other than what I'm saying right now, understand that it was prior to research and prior to really paying good attention. This team is still, again, elite. They still have Eli Ricks in the, the secondary. They still have Dallas Turner on that defense. Just because Will Anderson's gone, everybody wanted to talk about him. He was not the best player on that defense. I think this year you're going to see exactly what I was talking about last year when I said it was incorrect for him to have even uh, – what award did he win? Buckus, Bednar, whichever one he won. Yeah. It was incorrect yeah. <laughs> compared to who he was going up against. But they, they gave it to him based off of the – I guess the amount his name was mentioned is the only way I'd put it. Mm-hmm. This team is still elite. This team has some offensive questions. They've got they've got questions kind of around the offense. Yeah. But if you – they say defense wins championships. This Alabama team is going to be in contention for playoffs probably up until that LSU week, if not even beyond that. Mm-hmm. They're, that's not, pretty, they're not done. That's, yeah. They I, have a I tough schedule. Agree. I mean, let's, let's face that and call it what it is. They have a tough schedule. I'm pulling it up right now. Their schedule for this season is yeah. – Toughest one in a few years for. I mean, their non-conference schedule is okay. They got Middle Tennessee State and at USF, but they also have Texas coming in week two. Mm-hmm. That game's going to be big. We we've, we've all been talking about it. They they get out of that week unscathed. They may be in a good spot, but then they get Ole Miss, and then they go on the road to Mississippi State and at Texas A&M. Both of those teams, I think, are going to be improved this year to an extent. Mississippi State's bringing it, kind of waking in a whole new system, um, with a brand new head coach in Zach Arnett. 
but I think they'll be fine. Arkansas, Tennessee, both at home, still going to be tough. LSU at home, the favorite in the SEC West right now. I mean, that is what it is, and probably for good reason. Uh, Kentucky, at Kentucky, that'll probably not be that bad. Chattanooga, I mean, hey, it's November in the SEC. What do you expect? And then at Auburn, when we've talked about it, Auburn is in the better spot quarterback-wise. Peyton Thorne's a better quarterback than anybody on the Alabama roster right now. If we're talking about today, he is. Alabama has potential if the offense is that bad and the defense, you know, the defense can't do everything. Let's let's be real. Not in today's day and age. The defense can't win everything. But if the mm-hmm. offense is as bad, led by whatever quarterback they've got running the show, whether it's Buckner, Milrow, Simpson, whoever, they could. I still see only a max of like four losses, which is yeah. very down. But let's be real. I'm sitting here and my mind goes to very similar to last year, 10, 11 wins. I mean, I think they're still in that range. Just because the offense doesn't look great yet, I mean, Tommy Reese knows exactly what Buckner's strengths are. But Tommy Reese now has Jace McClellan, who I think could be argued to be better than any of the running backs on Notre Dame's roster last year. Logan Diggs, Otter Gustime, both really solid, but I think I think Jace McClellan has the potential to be much better. Mm-hmm. Much better receivers. I mean... <laughs> Goes without saying, they've got better receivers over there. I mean, and uh, let's let's mention as well that Tommy Reese is a huge upgrade from Bill O'Brien. I mean, I'm not off of that alone. I'm not. I'm not comparing that right now. I am just simply saying that that is that puts them in a very good spot. I still think this is a 10-11 win team. I'm not giving you my prediction. I haven't finished my prediction, if I'm being honest. I have four games predicted completely not going to change by the time the season comes around. Four games on Alabama's schedule. That might be the least I've ever had for Alabama mm-hmm. since we've been doing this show at this time in late May. Plain and simple. I mean, this is a team that I think is going to have a little bit of a rough go of things. Early, like I think Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, after that week six time, I think that's when we're going to start seeing the full tilt of what this Alabama team's got. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's going to take a few weeks. I mean, I would not be surprised if they do lose at home. And I don't know when the last time they lost a game at home was, but it's been a hot minute. And Texas may be the first team to do it. And yeah, no, but, but again, overall – But again, not to make this a prediction, but this team is still fine. They're still good, and there's no reason for anybody to believe that as long as Nick Saban is a head coach at Alabama, that they will be anything less than a 10-win team until they don't win 10 games. I I mean, I think it it goes that simply to say. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely, like, that's one of the honestly like part of it is why I've been saying all off season like I gotta see it before I believe it. <laughs> I mean, you see it. I, I put yeah. my top twenty five together after the spring. Yeah, very few changes are probably going to happen between now and August. I'm going to be putting that out in mid June. Mm-hmm. Just put that out there. That's coming out in mid June. Alabama's still a top five team for me. 
easily a top five team. There are five teams that I think are kind of in their own league right now. And then there's a few more that are just outside that league, down to maybe 10. And then the rest are, are kind of every man for themselves. I don't know what to do with them. I think that I think that they'll be just fine. I think that they will not finish the season outside the top 10. And and somebody can clip that prediction and put it somewhere. But I don't think they're gonna I don't think it's gonna be outside the top ten at all. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on and let's talk some college football realignment. Why don't we? And it's going to start with the ACC, and there and there's this big talk of falling out between the conference. And either I'm letting them pull the wool over my eyes on this whole thing, or they mean what they say. Their goal has been from the beginning. Everything I've heard between Jim Phillips, between all these athletic directors of every one of these magnificent, magnificent seven schools, is that they want the ACC to have a better media rights deal. They want the ACC to have more money coming in. They they see how bad they got fleeced in their eyes. Between their deal going through, which is good through 2036, why you make a deal that long is unbeknownst to me, knowing that other conferences are coming up. You make your deal, and then the SEC, and then the Big Ten make theirs. Well, guess what? The Big Ten got the best deal out of them all. That's plain and simple. Everybody knows that. The Pac-12 is coming up on their media rights deal. The ACC wants to rearrange this deal, and or it will come to a point where somebody's going to go somewhere that they can make more money. And my thought process is it's definitely going to be Florida State, Clemson, that are going to lead that charge. It sounds like they're leading the charge anyways in this entire situation. You look at every school that's involved. um, I believe it's Florida State, Clemson, Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech, NC State, and North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just read them. Uh, The magnificent seven. Yeah. yeah. Seven schools. Well, here's what they need. They need eight to be able to even – break the deal or break this entire agreement and be able to potentially renegotiate the contract. They also need eight to be able to disband in general, eight teams to agree to disband from the conference where they go is up to really themselves. And what's going to happen is it's going to be, it's going to look like this when it happens, if it happens, it's going to look like this. They're all going to break apart. There's going to be kind of groups of two. It's going to be like Virginia and Virginia Tech are going to tie together. Florida State and Clemson are probably tied together right now based off of their success recently. Mm-hmm. In North Carolina, NC State, probably together. And then Miami's kind of the odd man out. They're probably going to be led along by Clemson and Florida State, if I were to guess. Mm-hmm. Kind of stick around that fact. But what's going to happen is these the bigger conferences, the Big Ten, the SEC, are going to come in kind of like vultures. They're just going to kind of pick and choose what they want. So the SEC is likely going to go after Clemson, Florida State, and likely Miami just to get that market in South Florida. But Miami is also expected to be on the rise. So, hell, if you can buy low, sell high kind of deal, Mm -hmm. if you're talking stock trading, do the same thing here. Virginia Tech, Virginia, North Carolina, NC State. At least two of those four probably get picked off by the Big Ten. Big Ten wants the North Carolina market. That part is guaranteed. The Big Ten wants that Raleigh, Chapel Hill area, and even Charlotte, because Charlotte's going to be a big deal in this. Mm-hmm. Virginia, Virginia Tech, likely 
could be left out. And this is where the Big 12 is going to come into play, the new Big 12. The Big 12 is going to kind of come in and probably pick up some of these scraps here. They're probably going to come in and they're probably going to take the Dukes, the Wake Forest, the Virginia, the Virginia Tech. They'll grab those four maybe. Everybody else beyond that is kind of on their own. I don't know what's going to happen with Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech may fall in. SEC may want to grab that fourth team and, and bring them over to the SEC. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten may want them due to academic standards. Um, very questionable. But, I mean, if they go in the SEC, Vandy needs a, a rival. That's fair. Um, on the academic side. I think that – I think that's how it's going to go. I think it's playing simple. That's how it's going to go. And then what's going to happen is the Pac-12, who is mightily screwing themselves already in their rights deal, is going to lose their two biggest names right now, which ha- happen to be Washington and Oregon. I think in terms of trajectory, those two schools are going to be the first ones to be taken. Washington and Oregon already tied to the Big Ten. I would assume that's probably where they go. Utah is going to be in that weird spot where Utah, I think, goes down and just drops into the Big 12 along with Colorado. And probably some of the rest of those southwestern teams, Arizona, Arizona State, I teams that are going to band together. Yeah, but I it's going to say we've heard those four corner schools are all. And then, and then it's going to leave Stanford and Cal as the la- and Oregon State as the last three teams. Something's going to happen. Have to happen to Oregon State. I don't know what it will be. I feel like they're going to get left out for the time mm-hmm. being. Cal and Stanford are in a really good spot. Guess why? Academics. Big I was Ten would say love good schools. Big Ten would love the academic standard mm-hmm. to come over, continue to raise that bar. Then Oregon State is is kind of on their own here for a little bit. I I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon State gets left out to the point. Oregon Oregon State, even Washington State as well, wind up somewhere. Somebody's gonna end up somewhere a little bit. I'm going to yeah. tell you this right now. The ACC is not completely done yet. I, I think that I think that it's still got some legs to it. The ones that I'm concerned about are is, is really the Pac-12. But that first domino is going to fall, and then the rest of them are going to start falling in order to. And, and at some point, somebody's going to be left out. Somebody's going to be in the wrong spot, wrong place, wrong time. And just like that, it's kind of over. Um, so it's all about really you're in a spot now in college football where you have to be the first to make a move or you're 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 done. You're screwed and you're left out. Oregon State feels like that's they're that team right now in terms of the um, Pac-12. I think Boston College might be in that spot in the ACC along with Syracuse. Um, Pittsburgh as well, maybe in one of those spots. It's it's a really interesting time, and I think that within the next year, we're going to find out exactly where everything is going to be going. From the ACC to the Pac-12, we're going to see those two conferences come together. The Big 12 isn't going anywhere. The Big 12 is still standing right now and still standing pretty tall over the final two. And we may get to a point where it's, it is – Big Ten SEC and then Big Twelve is kind of like that. You got the Big Ten the SEC, right? They're, it's like the old. They're like they're like the two. They're like the two seventeen and fifteen year old siblings, right? 
Mm-hmm. And then you get the Big 12, and it's like the the 10-year-old, 9, 10-year-old sibling that like wants to be a part of that that group, but just isn't quite there because they don't have it, if that makes sense. They kind of got all the extra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that That's what's happening. And um, we'll see what happens. I think it's yeah, it's a cool conversation it, to have. It, and it, and not, I've seen it laid out in more ways than just what I've laid out. I have the, seen the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve reminds me a lot of the Big East, kind of at the end there, where it was like here's uh, what I the seen. end of its run in football. Let me but that let me, let me, said it's in a better shape. Than, let me let me put something out here for you. The Big Twelve. We talked about them picking up some some extra teams out of the two conferences that we've had on our radar. Right here. Let me just read this, okay? It's certainly no secret at this point that the Big 12 is interested in swiping Colorado and Arizona from the Pac-12. With the league's media rights negotiations dragging in the summer and the leaders of those schools standing by for a final officer, it's testing the patience of the Big 12. Mm-hmm. However, the Big 12 has a team on their radar that we have not talked about at all since their time in a conference that no longer exists in football. UConn is on this list as a team that could potentially be looked at by the Big 12. Their football program with Jim Moore is kind of on the rise. Their basketball program just won a national championship. The Big 12 is looking for programs that can put their basketball back on the market. We talked about Gonzaga a few months ago. Doubt that's happening, but if it does, that's there. UConn could be on the on the move too. And this yeah. is a school that was dropping down the FCS just four years ago. Decided not to, and look at where they're at now. Just crazy to think, man. I mean, yeah, they just had the a bowl. They just had a bowl appearance. They were six and seven. First time they've been to a bowl game since 2015. They haven't finished with a winning record since they uh, played in the Fiesta Bowl in 2010 against Oklahoma. Uh, they were co-champions in the Big East that year. I, I believe shared that, that with West Virginia. That's definitely interesting to see. I mean, the program's kind of on the rise, and going to a decent conference that's going to have a lot of television exposure could help them with everything they need. And then we've seen the Big 12 is not worried about travel right now. I mean, they got West Virginia up there, which I would assume Pitt may jump over to the Big 12 too. I didn't even talk about them. Um, I'd imagine that they do. The rivalry. Got to. There are so many options. The the puzzle pieces can go wherever you want them to go, really, in this situation. And I I am here for whatever they decide they're going to do. I think this is going to be a really fun spot to be in. Uh, A cultural realignment that it's here. You don't love it, but you have to accept it. There are things you don't love in, in life. It's plain and simple. But this is one of those things that you know it's coming. You know the landscape of the sport's changing. It's nowhere near the same as it was 12 years ago. And I guarantee it's going to look nothing like it did this past season in the next 10. Probably the next five. So it, it's, it's a constant change. And everything's going to be revolving around football because it is the biggest sport. The, the NCAA has out. So 
we'll see what happens. There's a long way to go with it. There's plenty more to be seen. But definitely keep your eyes out on the ACC, the Pac-12, and even UConn in the next year. And we'll see you this time next next off season, next recruiting season, whatever you want to call it. We may very well be talking about a whole shift in the entire platform of the sport. Mm-hmm. It'll be intriguing to see what happens there because you're a hundred percent correct. There's we're just getting started. This is very yeah. similar to the 2010 to through 2013 expansions. Like, yeah, absolutely. Now I want to throw some things on the radar as we get ready to wrap this show up at about 30 minutes. Quick, very quick, but a lot of very good stuff I think today. Mm-hmm. I want to throw some things on the radar here. The college football season starts in late August the August 26th. So let's go ahead and just go. In about four weeks, we will be exactly 10 weeks away from the college football season. That's 70 days. We're under 100. The week of June 19th, probably June 18th might be the first. Conference predictions and previews are going to start. Just know it's that time. It is that time of the year. We're going to start G5 first. We're going to do every G5 conference because those are not going to mean as much in the grand scheme of things in terms of our predictions. They're not going to affect our college football playoff predictions or anything. Some transfers can still happen that, that shift what I think what I think any of us think about certain schools. I mean, Logan Diggs going to LSU. Big news. Um, I mean, now Keon Coleman to Florida State. Big news. As more of these bigger um, moves happen, we're still going to have... You know, we're going to have things change on our on our radars, really, is what I'm trying to say. And I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of places to go with that. Um, change is, in fact, eminent. Oh, it's definitely going to be happening. Um, we look at our top guys. Still without committed. We have guys like Zakari Franklin. That's going to be a big pickup for somebody from UTSA last year, the wide receiver, leaving UTSA, finding somewhere else to be. That's going to be a big pickup for somebody. Um, Seydoux Traore, uh, the tight end, going to be big coming out of Colorado. Montana Lamonius Craig from Colorado. I think he's going to be a big pickup for whoever gets him a receiver. Um, Xavier Henderson from Florida is is leaving. He's looking like Cincinnati, but we'll, we'll see. There, there are some names. Travell Mullen from Indiana, I think, has a chance to make some plays. Um, any of these could potentially have an impact on some of our predictions. I think there are some teams that we kind of have an idea of where we're putting them, but there's others that, you know, that one playmaker changes a game or two where you go from six and six to eight and four. With that said, um, like I said, we're going to start. We're going to do five straight episodes of G5. 
We're going to do five straight episodes of P5. At that point, we will be in the college football season. So, actually, we'll be 10 weeks out. We'll start We'll start something preview-wise about 10 weeks out. Probably our preseason top 25 will come out that week. Mm-hmm. We'll have to – we'll – then be pushing it to five weeks after that. July 17th. The week of July 17th is when we're going to start our conference predictions because we got two a week. So that's my mistake. I miscounted. Even though, even then, um, still a lot coming up. That's just month. around the corner. It is. It is. I mean, it's going to be here before we know it. So with that said, um, We'll be back on Wednesday with uh, more. I don't know what we're going to be talking about on Wednesday, but it seems like the news is starting to just roll at this point. we got a lot of stuff coming, probably some commitments, uh, the transfer portal, other things like that. But, yeah. Yeah, a lot more uh, news coming out of recent. Absolutely. So, with that said, I just want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in to us, and we will see you on Wednesday.